Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. Eulogy continued. The purity of Brother Lawrence's love was so great that he wished, were it possible, that God did not see the deeds he performed in his service, so as to do them exclusively for God's glory, without any recompense. He complained lovingly, telling his friends that God let nothing go by without immediately rewarding him a hundredfold, often giving him such great experiences and taste of his divinity that he sometimes overwhelmed him, making him say with his typical reverence and familiarity, it's too much, Lord, it's too much for me. Please give these kinds of favors and consolations to sinners and to those who do not know you to attract them by such means to your service. I have the happiness of knowing you by faith, and it seems to me that should suffice. But because I must refuse nothing from so generous a hand as yours, I accept, my God, the favors you grant me, and after receiving them, I return them to you as you gave them to me. Please be kind enough to accept them, for you know well it is not your gifts I seek and desire, but you yourself, and I can settle for nothing less. And this purity of love and this indifference served only to enkindle his heart more and intensify the flames of this divine fire, whose sparks sometimes manifested themselves outwardly, even though he made all kinds of efforts to hide the great impulses of divine love burning within him, he was occasionally unable to stop these outpourings, and his face was often visibly aglow. But when he was alone, he let the fullness of this fire act and cried out to God, Lord, give more space and room to the faculties of my soul so that I can give greater expression to your love, or sustain me by your omnipotence. For otherwise, I will be consumed by the flames of your love. While he was conversing with his brothers, he would often turn to God, lamenting the time he had wasted in his youth. Goodness ever ancient, ever new, too late have I loved you. Do not waste your time, brothers. You are young. Taking advantage of the sincere confession I am making to you of my lack of concern for God's service during my early years, devote all yours to his love. As for me, if I had known earlier, if someone had told me the things I am now telling you, I would not have delayed in loving him. Believe me and count as lost all the time not spent in loving God since love of God and love of neighbor are one and the same practice, you can estimate his love for his neighbor by the love he had for God. 
convinced as he was of what our Lord said in the gospel, that the least service rendered to the least of his brothers was rendered to him. He took special care to serve them in all the offices he held, and especially when he was assigned to the kitchen, where providing what was needed for the friars' substance, according to the poverty of their state, he took pleasure in pleasing them as if they were angels. He inspired love in all those who succeeded him in this task. He helped the poor in their need to the extent of his ability. He consoled them in their afflictions and guided them with his advice. He encouraged them to gain heaven at the same time that they worked to earn their living. In a few words, he did all the good he could do for his neighbor and never hurt anyone. He became all things to everyone to save them all for God. As St. Paul says, love is patient. It triumphs over all difficulties and it suffers everything for the sake of the beloved. Therefore, we cannot doubt Brother Lawrence's patience in his infirmities. He who loved God so perfectly. In fact, in keeping with the thought of the same apostle, patience has this fine rapport with love. Just as love is the bond of perfection, so patience is a perfect work. Opus perfectum habet. And therefore, no more is needed to convince us of the perfect state to which God raised Brother Lawrence. We will see that he practiced these two virtues during the very painful illnesses with which it pleased God to afflict him. For without even discussing here a kind of sciatic gout that made him limp and degenerated into an intensely painful ulcer on the leg, that tormented him for nearly 25 years, I limit myself mainly to three major illnesses God sent him during the last years of his life to prepare him for death and to make him worthy of the reward destined for him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, apostle of Rome, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. how instructive these chapters are for understanding other saints. For example, St. Mother Teresa. It's well known since Mother Teresa's personal diaries were published that she had an intense mystical experience of Christ in 1946, September 10th, in which Christ began to speak to her very clearly about his desire for her to 
be his light, to carry her light into the slums of India, to go where no one would accept him, but they would accept her if she would begin to live like an Indian. She would dress and live like an Indian to be among the Indians to bring them the light of Christ in the slums of Calcutta in India. But these intense experiences lasted for a while as it took time for her to get permissions and everything else. And Christ kept saying to her, why do you put me off? But then almost as soon as she began the work, a couple years later, the voice of Christ, the consolations of Christ ceased. And she began to live in this intense darkness. Now, what does Brother Lawrence have to say about that? Well, Brother Lawrence does not seem to have gone through that same kind of experience. But notice what he says. He said, Lord, I don't want these consolations. I want you to send them to people who are sinners. I want people who do not know you to experience the sweetness of your divinity, to draw them to your service. So what was burning in Brother Lawrence's soul was a desire for God to be served, for God to be praised. For other people to know God. He would live in the darkness of faith. That's what he wanted. So when we think about someone like Mother Teresa, we say, aha, for 50 years, she did live in the darkness of faith. And remember, faith is dark, like staring at a sun makes the eye dark. Faith is so bright because it makes us know God as he is. It makes us cling to God as truth. It's a share in God's own knowledge of himself. And this knowledge is bright and intense. That when we really begin to live by it, it has a kind of blinding effect. Because it's super truthful. It's excessively luminous. And our weak minds are so limited, we can't handle it all. It's not the darkness of faith. It's not because God is, is, is not truth. Or that we're somehow accepting something that's not reasonable. No, there's nothing more reasonable than faith. There's nothing truer than what God has told us. If the truth speaks not truly, the poet Thomas Aquinas wrote, then there's nothing true. If the truth speaks not truly, then there's nothing true. Okay, so Mother Teresa, Brother Lawrence, they wanted to live by this pure faith and this pure love. And why does God let the saints go through this? And why did God let Mother Teresa go through it? So that the desire of Brother Lawrence, for example, could be fulfilled. It's as though God took, fulfilled what Brother Lawrence wanted. Take this from me, he said. And give it to other people so they can know you. And I will live in darkness. I will offer up this state for others. And it's as though that's what happened to Mother Teresa. And many other saints too. Even St. Therese. That God 
took the favors and gave them to others to help them know him, to draw them to his service. Because what does God usually use in the beginning of the spiritual life? Sweetness, spiritual favors, consolations to draw us to himself. Clearly answered prayers so we get convinced that this really works. And then God's chosen ones, his favored servants, they win all these graces for others by living by pure faith. But this, in the end, is what they really want. Because the purity of their love longs to love God only for who he is. It longs to recognize God's infinite perfections. It longs to even be indifferent to itself as long as he is praised. And what are we supposed to take from all this? Well, we should enjoy the consolations when we have them. Make hay while the sun shines. In other words, take whatever the Lord gives you. If the Lord has given you consolations, if he's given you great feelings, wonderful. If he's allowing you to live in a certain dryness, a certain darkness, to purify our love, to make us seek him rather than his gifts, let us praise him for that. We should pray as we can, not as we can't. We should surrender to God in everything, taking from his hand the prayer he gives us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.